Hello, uh, welcome everyone to the Jersey Herd podcast. My name is Philip Parecki, and I am your host today. I'm the business development lead for Jersey Finance in the Americas, and I'm lucky to be joined today by Amy Dimitriou, a Morant LP partner based in Jersey to discuss offshore structured finance, securitization, and in particular CLOs. Um, Amy, it's a pleasure to have you here today. And would you mind uh, telling our listeners a little bit about your background? Of course. Thank you very much, Philip, and thank you for having me. Um, as you mentioned, I'm a Moran LP partner in our finance and corporate team based in Jersey. Um, I have a particular focus on structure finance and debt capital markets. Um, so I previously trained onshore in the UK and qualified into a debt capital markets team there um, and then moved back to Jersey almost 14 years ago and have been practicing in that team since that time. Right. So what I'm hearing is that as a child, you became interested in structured finance and securitization. Absolutely. And a nursery dream of mine to, to be involved with securitizations. <laughs> oh, well, perfect. So you're the perfect person to discuss today. So uh, perhaps if we could start with some context. Uh, could you let us uh, know what a uh, structured, what structured finance is, securitization, particular CLOs, what, what, the, what they are, how, we, how they're used, who uses them, uh, why offshore? Maybe, is that a good place to start? Sure, of course. Um, so structured finance is a very broad area and covers a huge range of, of various investment products. And that can include, obviously, everything through from broader securitizations to, to products like CLOs. So the usual offshore connection in terms of why Jersey is involved with structured products and has such a, an expansive history with those products is that often the issuer vehicle of the securities is often an off-balance off sheet um, vehicle sat in an offshore jurisdiction incorporated there. And the reason why that becomes um, key is a number of reasons. So um, including tax neutral status of the issuer, also a an experienced professional services industry available to advise and administer these vehicles offshore, um, and also a history with robust and secure, stable legislation and regulation for these these vehicles. Looking, I guess, more specifically, if we're to a, a particular product, um, so CLOs um, or collateralized loan obligations, as as we've mentioned before, are effectively investment instruments that are backed by a pool of leveraged corporate loans. And then those securities are split into various different tranches, um, each of which reflect a different risk appetite um, and are rated and priced accordingly. Who uses these? Um, a, a number of players in the market. Um, and in terms of investors, the benefit for them is they receive essentially debt payments from the underlying loans via the holding of their securities. And they take on some of the risk in the event that the underlying borrower defaults. The payback for that, so essentially in exchange for taking on that default risk, investors can benefit from increased diversity in the prospect of better than average Invest, investment returns on those products. And again, usually where we've talked about offshore vehicles, usually for the US CLO market, the issuer of those securities are usually SPVs incorporated in the Cayman Islands. Um, for the European CLO market, they're usually vehicles incorporated in Ireland. And so um, 
I think there's obviously the impact of the addition of Cayman to the EU blacklist. Uh, has that impacted the uh, domiciliation of these structures? Absolutely. So, as you mentioned, so the developments in this area, um, so in January of this year, the EU Commission essentially adopted a delegated regulation, which added or had the potential of adding the Cayman Islands to their list of jurisdictions which have strategic deficiencies um, in their AML and counter-terrorist financing regimes. And and that list is referred to commonly as the EU blacklist. Subsequently, following the publication on that list and the expiration of the potential objection period, that delegated regulations came into force on the 13th of March earlier this year, and after which Cayman was added to that blacklist. The implications within, I guess, a limited um, remit of the CLO market are that um, the EU securitization regulations, they prohibit the establishment of a securitization special purpose entity um, within a country that appears on that blacklist, i.e. Cayman um, at this current time. So essentially what that means is for US CLOs that are looking to market to EU investors, particularly and and, and specifically, um, they would be prevented from actually investing in any instruments or CLO securities that have been issued by a Cayman Incorporated um, special purpose vehicle. Amy, did that also force divestiture? Has, was that um, only prospective or is that also on existing structures? So there is a lot of discussion around that. Um, so my understanding is, and and coming at it from a non-EU regulatory kind of perspective, my understanding is that it's not forcing people to divest of existing instruct, um, investments, um, but more looking forward um new structures or ex- structures that have just entered warehousing, they will be moving so that um, so that they can actually market to EU investors the new products that, that will be coming on the market. Has that flow now that it, it, it can't be put into a, a jurisdiction that is on the blacklist, is that true for jurisdictions that are likely to go on the blacklist? So, so obviously there's probably some commercial decisions being made about uh, where you want to put these structures. And, and so it, how is Jersey benefiting from this? Are they benefit? Is the flow coming to Jersey? Yeah, so absolutely. Those discussions have been ongoing since kind of the beginning of the year. And a number of managers, sponsors, arrangers and banks have been looking at this issue. And there has definitely been a list of potential alternative jurisdictions. And I think one of the considerations for that is if any other jurisdictions are at risk, I would say, of, of going on a grey list or a blacklist, you know, that potential for having to move twice is obviously, you know, in the forefront of discussions and considerations when choosing a jurisdiction. Our understanding is that Jersey has been widely accepted as, as you know, the front runner or the leading alternative jurisdiction to Cayman for these vehicles. Um, as you say, Jersey's history in this area is very strong. Um, and we have a wealth of experience here and and, and regulation accord uh, regulating um accordingly and we have seen movement um and the continuance in or the incorporation of new vehicles um clo issuer vehicles in the island already this year since the uh, since the announcement and is it if i could jersey's um fits into sort of the global picture this has a an element of it that 
that speak that this sort of change has an element of it speaks specific to an EU change in is legislation the right word? I'm not sure if legislation is the right word, but a change in EU legislation which has uh, forced this change. But leave that part aside for a moment. Um, what is it that Jersey brings to the table? So you're looking at it from your position as a, as a LP partner for Morant. When you're looking at trying to go out to the marketplace to um, to speak with the promoters of these structures, what is it that you're telling them about Jersey that I, I guess is resonating? Absolutely. So um, Jersey has um, a long history with structured finance products more broadly. And often the decision for a particular product to go to one jurisdiction versus another um, is largely driven by what happened before and, and the history of it. So um, with CLOs, as we say, kind of the most of those issuers are incorporated in Cayman um, due to history, whereas the the island and the jurisdiction, the regulation, the legislation that's here is very much geared up towards structured finance products. Um, and so essentially the move um, from Cayman to Jersey for CLO issuer vehicles um, wouldn't very, have actually very little implications for the day-to-day -day administration of the company. Um, the, the treatment um, in terms of what regulation they need to abide by, um, the legislation um, that's around and governing the vehicle, um, that is going to be very similar to a Cayman vehicle. Um, so I guess the message is, what can be done in Cayman with CLOs can very equally um, be done in Jersey. Um, we have that framework um, available here in, on the island. So is, does the, I, I take it that the structure or the law matters here, the regulatory environment matters here. What about things like the courts? Do, are, are these types of vehicles ever caught up where the, the courts ha play a role um, so is the experienced judiciary one of the considerations? Absolutely, absolutely. So yeah, our, our, our court system is very familiar with these products. Structure finance more broadly has been on the island for over 50 years. Um, you know, the, the court process is, is familiar with complex financial instruments. They, you know, they have that understanding, that awareness, that um, that experience to deal with that. Um, and like you say, again, the the legislation is appropriate, it's relevant, um, the regulation as well. And so the the Jersey Financial Services Commission, our regulator, their analysts and their and those that are reviewing our applications and they're very experienced in this area they're familiar with it they've seen it over and time and time again um you know and so it's not something that's coming to an island that has no experience of this um you know we've done it with other products uh, for decades um and and the system is very much geared up and an understanding of, of these products could could you just put the size of the this market into context. So, what what does that picture look like? Perhaps, if you could paint it, I, I'd love it if you give me a full breakdown of every <laughs> structured finance product that there is. But perhaps just paint it in big picture. What kind of numbers are we talking about? Uh, or maybe we, we just want to focus on CLOs. But just so our listeners can understand what size of a market this really is. Absolutely. So. Um if we take the CLO market, so the, the global CLO market um, was reported to have reached um, one trillion US dollars during the course of last year. And 
as between the US and European CLO market, the US is, is more developed and a larger market. So that probably accounts for approximately 80% of that global size, um, with the European market taking about 20% of that. Um, again, looking forward to this year, banking analysts have projected a, an approximate new issuance range for US CLOs, um, somewhere between 155 and 160 billion US dollars for new issuances in in the US CLO market. Um, so, I mean, it's very established and, and, uh, and, and a large, large market. And so just to go back, last year, what was that size of the market? Was it a billion or was that a trillion? So the global size last year tipped to trillion. So Amy, are you involved specifically in which part of the process? Is it the structuring? And I usually, I, I'm saying the word structuring. I actually don't know how to describe. Does that mean you actually are doing the intellectual heavy lifting of putting the piping together? Do you focus more on the tax side? H how does your role specifically fit into yeah, it? Yeah. So, um, Thankfully, um, I'm not usually involved with the putting the pipes together. Um, so the structuring will be done by the relevant arranger or sponsor or the banks involved in in the product. Um, and essentially, they will take their cue from investors and what they're looking for and create a product accordingly that matches the investors' requirements, needs and, and the like. Um, in terms of our role, um, it's very much focused from a Jersey specific one. So we would very much be looking at um, the governance around the vehicle, um, the obviously the legislation around the vehicle, what it needs to do in order to to um, make sure that it's adhering to all of the legislation that's in place, all of the regulation that's in place, um, and and also the the ongoing administration and governance of the vehicle to make sure that that's in good standing. So usually it's um, advice relating to the regulation. Um, one example being for that, so for a, a Jersey issuer vehicle, um, the regulation would prescribe that it would need to get a consent, for example, in Jersey from the regulator here. Um, under our control of borrowing legislation. And, and that would be a consent to issue these debt securities. Um, but that is very much purpose legislation. It's a well-trodden path um, and it's very much appropriate for these types of investments and products. Um, we have also changed our prospectus um, regime recently um, and uh, incorporated some new carve-outs to the definition of a prospectus. Um, the implications of that being is that usually a prospectus will be need to be filed with the regulator and there are certain requirements around what needs to be included in that offering document if it's a prospectus um, and consents for it. Um, these carve-outs are ones which investors are very familiar with, so the likes of its circular related to a professional ex professional investor, for example, or has the securities have a, a corresponding minimum denomination, it will fall outside of that definition of prospectus. So again, very much aligned with Cayman and onshore jurisdictions as well. Um, the, the regulation that's in place for these sorts of products and the boxes that need to be ticked um, will be met um, in Jersey for these. So it's fair to say there's sort of a, almost a um, product going to market that you, you can avail yourself of if you're one of the promoters, that this is a very standard way of doing something. But do you deal with anything that comes across your desk that's esoteric? And if it is, 
um, and that may not be apply, applicable here, but that's, our, that's where I'm asking the expert here. If, if something comes across your desk that's esoteric, do you, is it an advantage sort of being able to walk down the street and talk to the regulator in person? Absolutely. So, um, like you say, the, the regulator and they, you know, the experience is there. They've seen countless different variations of products and investments and, and, and the like. Um, but that ability to, to pick up the phone or speak to them in person and just walk through the product with them, explain it to them. Um, there's very much that open line of communication with them. And they're very open to those discussions, which is hugely helpful to, to run that through them. So when there is a new product that comes to the market that is something we haven't seen, absolutely, those those lines of discussion are, are open um, so that we can make sure that everyone's on the same page, uh, we're ticking all the boxes, the regulator's comfortable, the sponsors, the investors are comfortable. Um, but that open communication is absolutely key. And you, in your interaction with the regulator itself, is your, do you come, what, what, how do you, I don't want to lead you down a, down, down a, to an answer, but um, how do you come away with your, from your experiences with the regulator on their ability to understand what the product is, get to the the issues at hand and, and understand them. It's it's great coming and being able to discuss with them a particular product or a new um, concept that's come forward. Um, the ability to discuss it with them. And like you say, you know, there will be a lot of elements of it that they'll be very familiar with, um, but there might be something that is slightly different, that's innovative, that's new to the market. Um, and there, that ability to, to to discuss it with them, to analyze any risks involved, um, and to come up with an approach that everyone's comfortable with, um, is key. Because you know, in this area, there are always new products coming to the market or new, new developments. I mean, you look at, for example, cryptocurrencies. You know, suddenly that you know is spurned a huge new wave of products um, and often structured finance products um, structured around crypto to enable investors to have access to that asset class, for example. Um, the ability to discuss that with experienced individuals at the regulator um, it, it is fantastic. And we can essentially, we can do from our part, the legal analysis and the regulatory analysis, and we can then discuss it with them to get the the, the best course of action going forward and, and the best approach for that product. So Amy, let me just take off this, it just crossed my mind, this crypto piece. I'm not going to go down into crypto <laughs> at this point. Um, but how do you communicate that to the market? Meaning, um, how do you, how do you, Amy, go out to the market and um, sort of tell this story, try to engage with the market so that, um, well, quite frankly, uh, you're, you know, you're part of that conversation when people are looking to, to do these structures. How is it that you go to market for you, with your services to, and let's take the U.S. market as an example. What, what is it that you do to go out and reach out to the marketplace um, do, do you focus in perhaps on crypto conferences, crypto sector? Do you focus in on the um, the intermediaries? Uh, how, how are you going to market? Yeah, so usually it's through the intermediaries. We've got um, great working relationships with um, kind of London, UK-based law firms and the US law firms as well. Um, so most of um, our discussions when 
are with the intermediaries. They're essentially frontline seeing these um, these potential new products. And certainly um, the European market and European investors are very, very familiar with Jersey as a jurisdiction. So it is often on the table as a as a potential jurisdiction when these new products are being looked at. Um, so usually it will be a case of kind of the, the larger picture structuring kind of investor requirements, putting those pieces together and then considering which jurisdiction is fits the bill kind of for that. Um, and certainly I think Jersey is is often at the top of those sorts of lists for consideration. Um, you know, it has a great history um, and has the the framework in place for these sorts of products. And so there's you know, it's often there and, and, and on that list being discussed and, and intermediaries, you know, our discussions with them, we make sure that they're up to up to date in terms of what the regulation is, any changes to that, so that they know what can can't be done and and the like in Jersey. And so does a lot of that flow from Moron office to Moron office? So are you, do you work very closely with your uh, partners in Cayman or your partners in other offices? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, yeah, we have a great working relationship across our offices. So, um, you know, it might be um, kind of, kind of Asia desk derived products. Um, we'll be speaking to our colleagues in Hong Kong and our Cayman colleagues or BVI colleagues. You know, all of these are jurisdictions that are well known for in this area uh, and very much active. So yeah, there is certain open dialogue between us um, as to what developments, what new products, what's what's happening, what changes there are to, you know, regulation in any of those particular jurisdictions that may have an impact. And um, so we're very much kind of aligned in terms of of the offerings of, of the various jurisdictions in the area. And that's, a, I guess, so that would lead on a global basis to the best solutions for the clients rather than trying to fit everything into one absolutely absolutely yeah so it you know it's what fits best is what's the best piece of of jigsaw to fit into the the product that people are looking to structure um i mean usually there is little difference like i say it's it's quite often you know what has been done before people will follow um and often there is little variation between the treatment of for example a cayman issuer versus a bvi issuer or a jersey issuer whatever it might be um but uh, absolutely it's that finding the best fit um within the, the the product um which jurisdiction for the incorporation of the issuer vehicle works best have i missed anything when it comes to clos no i think um one thing that might be useful just in terms of how um, the vehicle itself is treated. We're often asked kind of just specific questions around what requirements there are. Um, And I guess it's useful just to to give a little colour as well in terms of, and certainly in light of the the EU blacklisting of of Cayman, um, the ability to set up new vehicles um, is very um, well established. The incorporation framework can work very, very quickly. It's anything from two hours to five business days, depending on 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 take on and scale. Um, and then, but there's also continuance legislation, migration legislation, um, that is essentially in both jurisdictions, a continuance is permissible. So what that means is for any existing structures, and, and in particular any CLOs that have started the, the warehousing stage, um, they can actually continue into the island from Cayman. Um, and that process is a well, well-trodden well path um, uh, uh, and, uh, and essentially it allows that vehicle just to move 
as it was um, with the assets and de- debts associated with it across into into Jersey from Cayman. Um, and the registry have recently confirmed a turnaround term of of five business days from receipt of, of full documents and the like. Um, so again, they are responding as well to this um, and, and making sure that the availability and speed is there in order to, to move vehicles across as where that might be necessary. Oh, thank you. Um, I, I think I should also apologize to you. This is the first podcast that I've ever done. So you, you're in in some ways you you you've got the the sort of first take of a of any <laughs> podcast that I that I've hosted. So I I my apologies. No, no, it, it's my first as also yeah, <laughs> a new learning curve. <laughs> But thank you very much for joining me today. Um, and what we'll have, I, I'm pointing in the sky, listeners, right now, but that's I'm pointing to a link where you can connect with Amy directly, uh, which will be on our, uh, our as we distribute the podcast, you'll be able to connect directly with Amy if you have questions regarding any corporate securitization issues but specifically with respect to CLOs please do reach out to Amy fantastic thank you so much for having me Philip um it's been a, a delight so thank you for that um and we'll also um send across some just um a note just with a little more detail um so that people can have a quick read if that would be helpful as well oh, I think that would be great Amy thank you very much thank you so much